from Coast to Coast to Coast. You're listening to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Hannah Cunningham and I'll be your host for the next half hour of Environmental Radio. I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community recording studio located in Edmonton, Alberta. We are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. We ask you to consider your connection to this land and how you are challenging the colonial systems of oppression in place as part of your treaty obligations. Since this week's episode is about climate activism, maybe look into Indigenous-led groups in your area that are fighting for a livable climate through decolonization and find out how you can support them and their work. We all have a role to play in this relationship that is treaty. This episode is part two of a two-part mini-series on youth education in the climate crisis. If you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you head back and listen to that first. But before we get into the final part of this series, here are this week's news updates. So this week's news update is on the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project. For those of you who are unaware, here's a quick recap of the project. In 2013, the federal government approved a project to expand the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline. This contentious program faced opposition from environmental and indigenous groups and eventually was opposed by the government of British Columbia. The federal government would purchase the project in 2018 for $4.5 billion before the Federal Court of Appeal overturned federal approval, citing a lack of sufficient consultation with Indigenous groups and failing to adequately consider marine life impacts. After conducting a second round of consultation with First Nations, the federal government again approved the project in June 2019, which was again challenged in court by Indigenous groups and environmental organizations. Numerous landowners along the pipeline have not signed agreements with the Trans Mountain Corporation. Among the over 2,500 private landowners along the route, roughly 30% have yet to sign agreements allowing the corporation access. Barbara Gard, a landowner along the route, spoke about her challenges working with the pipeline developers, describing how they chop down trees on her land, which the company denies. She also claims the proponent has not described how they would restore vegetation and protect wildlife. Another landowner, Robin Scorey, says he's been offered low-ball values for his property and that the developer has not discussed how they would mitigate spills that could impact the Fraser River. The detailed route of the pipeline expansion has not been approved, slowing the development of the project, including stalling the Burnaby Mountain Tunnel portal, which needed to start before the rainy season of November. These delays and challenges have resulted in the government claiming the project will be operational by the middle of 2022. In a statement by a parliamentary budget officer, this complete date would mean that the government overpaid for the asset. The Trans Mountain Pipeline continues to be the focus of environmental versus economic concerns, 
with private landowners, indigenous groups, and environmental organizations expressing their concern over natural harm the project could cause. For updates to the Trans Mountain Pipeline project, stay tuned in to Terra Informa. So last week, we discussed the grim state of climate education in secondary schools in Canada. Terra Informers Elizabeth Dowdell and Sonic Patel shared their personal experiences. The Canadian curriculum fails in teaching students how they can mitigate the climate crisis. But this isn't stopping them. Youth around the globe are fed up with the inaction and lack of climate education and are making their voices heard. Prominent youth Greta Thunberg has started a movement challenging the failing institutions in place, striking on Fridays to mobilize government action. While the beginning of Greta Thunberg's Fridays for Future movement began in August of 2018 and began to get the attention of the big news outlets, young people have been participating in climate activism for a lot longer than that. Shutezkat Martinez, a 19-year-old Indigenous environmental activist and hip-hop artist from Colorado, has been speaking publicly about climate change since he was six years old. In an article in The Guardian, which you can find on our website, youth from places around the world, including Samoa, India, Argentina, and Japan, talk about how many of them have either been directly experiencing climate change from a very young age, or have heard about it at home or school and felt uncertain about the state of their future, in some cases, quote, for as long as they can remember, end quote. Here in Edmonton, youth have joined this fight. Organization Edmonton Youth for Climate is a collective of young people who aim to educate and engage people to take action in the increasingly worrisome climate crisis. This week, we are taking you to the front lines. On September 20th, 2019, Youth for Climate and other climate organizers from the city staged a die-in in downtown Edmonton as a start to the International Week of Climate Action. Listen in for some audio from the protest, as well as interviews with organizers of Youth for Climate. So let's start with just your name and your pronouns. My name is Olivier Atkinkaya, and I use pronouns he and him. Awesome. Okay. I'm Charlotte Thompson with Terra Informa. Uh, I use she, her, or they, them. What does Youth for Climate do? What is the organization? Edmonton Youth for Climate is pretty much the Fridays for Future chapter in Edmonton, so most of what we do is organize climate strikes, but we have had workshops and so on to get new members on board. And, and uh, we have talked about having certain community events, but most of what we do is just um, organize the strikes. Talking about this review of all the curriculum across Canada that happened and kind of the, the ways in which Canadian curriculum falls short in climate education, um, do you feel personally that your high school education has like equipped you to deal with the climate crisis? Definitely not. The involvement of the climate crisis in our curriculum is pretty much non-existent. The only place where it currently exists, at least in the Alberta curriculum, is in the one unit in Science 10, which is the climate unit, but it isn't really focusing on like just the climate crisis. It's, it's kind of like, oh, here's climate change. It's a thing. 
Yeah, it, it's it's really. Uh, in fact, most teachers kind of. There's even some teachers that don't even cover that because they think it's not really important and they don't have time to do it, and it's usually at the end. I was pretty lucky to have um, a teacher in high school that decide to make that the most kind of like important unit in his class, and yeah, I mean he he finds that stuff really important. So I was kind of lucky just to experience his own like teaching and stuff. <laughs> I don't know you just have to be in his class to understand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. So building on that, speaking on your personal experience and my experience and, like, the experience of the two Terra Informers last week, none of us have had, like, a very extensive climate education, at least built into our school system. So as somebody who, like, is a youth taking the reins on, like, dealing with the climate crisis and, like, acting in the climate crisis, how do you, like educate or have dialogue with older generations, like say your grandparents that definitely wouldn't have had climate education growing up? Mm -hmm. Well, um, we definitely push the idea that our generation will be the first ones to be to experience the uh, worser effects of climate change. And we try because obviously their generation, individually, they don't really have to worry about uh, the effects of climate change because they're not going to be around when um, the actual worst effects come about. So we really tried like to explain, okay, this like in in the the long term, when we're like thirty years old and so on, we're going to start seeing. Um, I mean, we're already seeing a lot of uh, increased uh, extreme weather and so on, but it's going to be uh, to much much greater extent, like in like just I don't know, like twelve years and so on, right? Uh, in terms of just like educating people in general, we mainly do that through speeches. Um, we try bringing speakers in to give uh, powerful message messages that uh, the people that attend the strike they'll remember. So that's a really important thing for us people so people can leave the strike with uh, you know uh, having learned something. Do you find it difficult to have like one-on-one -on -one dialogue with like some older people that just like don't believe climate change is a threat? Yeah I, I mean I don't have too many conversations with people that don't believe that it's a threat. I, I usually just, <laughs> I, it's usually just not worth my time to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of difficult because the fact that they, they don't believe that it's a threat already means they're probably uh, ignorant regarding that anyways. So it'd just be difficult to have a conversation with that type of person. Yeah. Do you like have any strategies that you would use, I guess, to kind of like help people understand the the threat of the climate crisis? Well, I know. I, I mean, I probably, I, I refer to the IPCC report quite often. I give examples of things that are already happening um, in Alberta that are related to climate change. Um, like, for an example, the increase uh, of forest fires and the worsening of forest fires. In At least in Edmonton, we experience that through uh, smoky days, which will be beginning to see much more often. Last May, there's one day where it was like really, it was dangerous to even go outside because the air quality was so bad. And uh, climate change um, will increase the number and the the strength of forest fires quite significantly through droughts and increased lightning strikes, which ignite the fires, and also um, more violent winds, which push smoke to uh, different cities and also spread the fire faster. What do you think is the most important way to address climate change? Well, it's it's really important to understand that it's uh, an intersectional issue. There's a lot of different things that 
are affected by climate change that aren't uh, necessarily uh, easy to understand the connection of. Just the idea that the people that will be most uh, worstly affected by the climate crisis are the ones that uh, contribute the least to it. And also the fact that uh, fighting uh, to stop climate, the climate crisis, that's something that should be important for everyone because everyone will be affected by it necessarily equally, of course, because there's certain parts in the world that will be much uh, more greatly affected. The extent where people will have to migrate because uh, their homes will become uninhabitable. And we also need to understand that it's it's important to have a just transition. Um, there's a lot of people that are uh, understandably worried for their jobs when they work in the oil industry. And we need to ensure that those people have income security because a lot of people will be just uh, fundamentally against climate action only because they're understandably worried for their jobs and their families. As a youth organizer, um, do you find that you like have a, have a lot of support from adults? Like in general and in in your life specifically, I mean, I mean, I guess like Edmonton Youth for Climate, we have connections with CJE and with Extinction Rebellion in Edmonton. Most of those people are adults, and they do help us a lot with a lot of things. Pretty much every event we've had, uh, we've had support, um, like direct support from both groups through marshalling or speakers and so on. So I mean, in the like. Uh, environmental organizing community we do of course have a lot of support from adults just in general adults uh, in society are like a bit uneducated um, regarding the severity of the climate crisis just kind of you know equating it uh, the the severity of it to kind of just any other topic on like the debate floor like healthcare and so on but the the reality is that um, something like healthcare is like if we if we don't act on on the climate crisis healthcare and economy and everything else uh, those will just like th- those issues will go to hell it's kind of the importance of for instance in the federal election we need to be taking the climate crisis more seriously and, and not just having like okay five minutes on the climate crisis five minutes on healthcare five minutes on on the economy because uh, everything else will be like greatly affected if we don't uh, act necessarily on the climate crisis. So you've been kind of helping with organizing the strikes uh, with the Fridays for Future movement since March. Yeah, uh, well, I, I joined, that's about the time where I joined Climate Strike Canada, and then okay. I got into Edmonton Youth for Climate in May. Okay, so you've kind of been at this game for a while. Yeah. A couple months. <laughs> What what kind of advice do you have for students listening that are like maybe not in Edmonton that kind of want to like organize their own strikes or start mm-hmm. a youth led movement in like other places? Yeah. So chances are there's already a a group that's organizing climate strikes uh, in that in whatever city that is. But there are a lot of places that uh, currently don't have um, strong organizing and. Uh, what I probably suggest is to reach out to Climate Strike Canada because we do have resources um, available. We do have people that will uh, call you and, and train you on how uh, you can start organizing a, a strike group in your city and um, what you can do to like try mobilizing the people there. So Yeah, so this is your chance to plug any events that you have <laughs> that are coming up. All right, so um, on Friday, September 20th, which is tomorrow, <laughs> we have a die-in protest. Pretty like most of the larger cities in Canada are doing this. It's, it's going to start the week of action, which is going to be this big 
kind of a week of climate action globally where throughout the week there's a ton of different like climate action events and so on and September 20th is the global strike so a lot of cities throughout the world will be having big uh, strikes involving unions and businesses on that day pretty much every city will have a strike on on the 20th and the 27th and each city will they've decided to focus on one of those days cities in Canada um, were focusing on the 27th so that's our general strike day it's the day where unions and businesses will be involved um, and participate through uh, like supporting or in fact uh, just having employees come out uh, or union members come out to the strike uh, so, yeah, September 27th, uh, again, Friday, the, the end of the week of action. That's going to be a huge thing. Greta Thunberg's going to be in Montreal on that day. Uh, They're expecting, like, 300,000 people. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, totally. Oh, man, to meet Greta, wouldn't that be the dream? <laughs> she, like, started this whole... Yeah. <laughs> she started this whole thing, which is really cool. If folks want to learn more... How can they how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach out to Edmonton Youth for Climate on Facebook. We try to answer everyone that we can. You can also check out edmontonclimatestrike.org, basically just a, a small website with uh, information about uh, all the events in the week um, with links to the different Facebook events for everything. And, yeah, uh, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is... Uh, at Yeg Strike, Instagram is at student.strike.yeg, and then Facebook, just uh, Edmonton Youth for Climate. So if you're comfortable, do you mind sharing your name? Well, my name is Dorinda King. And what was it that motivated you to come out to this event? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, a good, a good 50 years, 60 years of slow destruction to our planet. And I've kind of, well, had enough of it. And I'm just trying to do whatever I can do to, to curb away from fossil fuels because that's a, a huge problem. And what kind of responses are you hoping to see from politicians or the public to these kind of events? Well, I'd like to see politicians um, pledge to move to, to net zero by 2025. I'd also like to see public awareness be, be amped up and I would like to see people moved from possibly um, some apathy to more action and therefore these changes will see more and more of them. All right, thank you. Um, on the show recently, we've been talking a lot about climate education and amongst some of us, what we thought was lacking when we were in the education system. Uh, do you recall when you first became aware of the climate crisis and some, kind of, some of the actions you, you could do to resolve them? When I first became aware and some of the actions that could be taken now, do you mean, for people who are yeah. first becoming aware? Yeah, or just any kind of climate action measure um, that when you became of uh, possible solutions and their effectiveness. Possible solutions. Um, well, I mean, like you talk about uh, being in school and first finding out about it, learning about it, I think it definitely needs to be implemented in the curriculum, which it's currently not. Um, as well, um, I think uh, people kind of 
they, they, uh, if they don't actively seek it out, it's hard to find out the truth about what's actually happening, because uh, a lot of our a lot of our media outlets they don't uh, uh, really reveal the raw truth of exactly what's going on, and so I, I would advise people to. Uh, get in touch with organizations that are environmental in nature, start start reading up on, on all the articles and scientific papers that they can, and they will learn a lot from that. Do you mind just sharing your name and what you do? Uh, I'm Abram Ilsisson, A-B-R-A-M-I-L-C-I-S-I-N, and uh, I just kind of like organize with the group. We don't have any like official roles, but we kind of delegate things out on strike days to know who's doing what. And so what was your motivation for getting involved with this group and holding events like these? So my motivation is that climate change is the biggest issue to our generation and the fact that governments aren't taking it more seriously is something that we really need to change and why we we youth who can't vote yet need to come out and show our that democracy works in other ways. And what kind of responses are you hoping to see from the public or from politicians to these kind of events? So we're hoping to see politicians realize that these are problems that are very core to Canadians and switch their policies to be more progressive on climate change and we're hoping that the public sees that you can really show your voice in this kind of way because a lot of people don't realize just that you can do these kind of things if you try. And recently on the show we've been talking a lot about climate education and for some of us who are a bit older um, things that we thought were lacking in our education. So do you recall when you became aware of the climate crisis and when you decided to get involved in this kind of climate action? Yeah so School doesn't fully cover uh, climate change very well. They mention it, and it is in like some climate studies, I believe in grade 10, but it is not a main topic of any sort. Um, and I probably learned about it first in like grade 5 with the polar bear kind of idea of the caps melting. So that's kind of every kid hears about it, but they don't really get a comprehensive experience about it or knowledge about it until later when you do some own research because they don't really want you to know about it because it's such a huge issue that people have to fight to stop it. All right. Uh, yeah, thanks for your responses. Do you have any kind of final statements that you want to put out there about today's event or climate action in general? So climate action is something that everyone should be doing. It doesn't matter if you're on the left side or the right side of the spectrum. It's going to affect you. The fact that we will not have food, possibly, that there's a lot of environmental changes that will completely disrupt our environment. That could really be a problem for you no matter where you stand. And also we want to say that this event, the die-in, was very representative of what we believe will happen in the future if we do nothing. So, if you're comfortable, do you mind sharing uh, your name and just briefly what you do? My name is Anne Nguyen. I'm a Master of Arts student. I study Sociocultural Studies at the U of A. And what motivated you to come out to the protest today? 
because our climate, our earth is dying, and I think um, we're not doing enough about it. So, as someone that had the, has the privilege to be here to walk to participate safely, I'm coming out here to, uh, on behalf of those who can't be here, and joining everyone here to make a statement and say that we demand change and we need um, action right now. Recently on the show, we've been talking a lot about climate education. Uh, do you recall when you became aware of the climate crisis and what kind of actions we can do? Mm, and anyone can answer, by the way. When you became aware of the climate crisis? When you became aware of the climate crisis? Um, um, I became aware... I think the first time I heard about the climate crisis was when I was like in high school. There was a person that came and spoke on it. But it wasn't until very recently that I took a sustainability communications course at McEwen University. And we were discussing how when you're talking about certain uh, polarizing topics, people have like walls that they build up that cause them to be unable to actually understand or hear concepts that are difficult because you don't like to hear those bad things and it was not actually until I was learning about that and how many walls that I had built up in my life that I was able to like pull down those walls and actually listen for the first time to people who were talking about the climate crisis and how serious it was and then there was a big switch in my life where I was like okay I'm gonna start to listen and take this seriously and then that changed to uh, yeah where I am now. <laughs> Does anyone else have a response? I think mine is a lot from uh, like seeing climate act advocates speak up a lot on social media, the people that I surround myself with, um, also being in sociology, taking sociology courses, learning a lot about the injustice, and like learning that when the climate crisis hits, the people that are going to be suffering the most are those people of color, poor people. Um, it's not going to be the rich, privileged people. Like I probably won't be as infected as them, but it's kind of doing that advocacy, advocacy work, um, fighting for social justice. Does anyone else have any responses or uh, statements you want to share about today's event or climate action in general? I just want to say that I think we need to start building a community and no more independence. I think we all need to come together and realize that this isn't just one person's problem. This is a global issue and it's not just Canada. It's every country. It's all of us. We need to form together and do something. And no. Um, just not one person. I don't know. That's my biggest thing I really want to spread for everyone. Great. Um, and I, I love the multifaceted nature of solutions because, right, we're out here today and, and we're yelling and we're screaming and we're smiling. We're having a good time. We're losing our voices. We're sharing water bottles. It's beautiful. Um, but at, at the same time, we're going back to our places of education and we're learning more about real solutions that are, are scientific and they're sociological. And um, that's really awesome. That, that we don't have to reject any single solution, we need to embrace them all, and, and there's a lot of hope in that. Right. Uh, it was like my first time coming to one of these strikes, so it's a great time. It's like, it was really amazing just feeling the energy everyone gave, and then chanting, and just like all for the one cause. And it's like, it's really amazing, and I love it a lot. Well, thanks guys for your time, really appreciate it. You just heard audio from the youth-led Climate Die-In in Edmonton, Alberta. Sad to have missed the Climate Die-In? Well, don't worry. There are still a ton of things to do for the week of climate action. The biggest one is the climate strike on September 27th at 1 p.m. at the Edmonton Legislature. Come out, show that you care about climate action. Bring a friend or two. 
There's going to be speeches and songs, and who doesn't love exercising their democratic rights? For more information on all the other amazing events to check out this week, go to edmontonclimatestrike.org. And if you're not from Edmonton, there are strikes planned all over that you can participate in. Go to globalclimatestrike.net to find the climate strike closest to you. We will have the links on our website as well for you to check out. This concludes part two of our mini-series on education and youth in the age of the climate crisis. If you have comments or questions about the show, send us an email to tara at cjsr.com or tweet us at Tara Informa. We also have an event this week on September 25th, and we would really like you to be there. Check us out on Facebook for more info and to RSVP. For past stories and links from today's episode, visit our website, terrainforma.ca. Thank you to our volunteers for helping out with this week's episode. Terra Informa is entirely volunteer-run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CGSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to keep independent journalism on the air. I've been your host, Hannah Cunningham. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll catch us next week right here on Terra Informa.